Welcome to Advent Sermons and Conversations. This is the conversation half. We'll be talking about what to do after the call. I'm Kevin. I'm Brad. And I'm Dart. In today's sermon, Pastor Danielle is responding to an Old Testament text where the Israelites have been wandering in the desert and and they're doubting, they're looking for signs from God and, and doubting and complaining that God isn't pulling through for them, even thinking we had it better when we were slaves in Egypt because they can't bear this uncertainty and God ends up providing manna for them and, and pulling through. And also to a gospel text where Jesus says, I am the bread of life and through, through me all people are fed and um, meaning spiritually fed and, and fed in a whole manner of ways. Um, so we're going to be exploring that sermon today and all these different themes and ideas that it touched upon. I'm really excited for our conversation today. One of the things that really struck me was the tension between two ends of, of a dichotomy of, of things that turned out to be opposites. One was freedom and control, that we want to have control of things, and we think that puts us in charge. But many times, God gives us the freedom not to be in control, which sounds strange, but but it it brought it was brought home in the sermon how that's really true. Another thing is the the complaining that the Israelites did about how terrible everything was didn't let them get to the next step, didn't let them get to something to do about it. And I think that gets to us a lot that we we want to say about it, say everything that's wrong, but we don't want to think we have the freedom, the grace, the gift to do something about it and to make things be different. And also it's how, and we hold on to that sort of thing. We hold on to that side, to the complaining side. We have tantrums about it, as Pastor Danielle pointed out. And we don't want to think about something that might be better. We're holding on to things that, that are hurting us and that don't work. Yeah. I want to unpack that first um, dichotomy because I think it is really counterintuitive that God gives us the freedom to let go because... I mean, off the bat, I'm like, that That doesn't make sense. And I would think that freedom and control are somehow intertwined. But it's interesting that they that they aren't necessarily. I'm wondering, you know, what, what, are, what are some times when control does not bring freedom? Like, how, how are control and freedom different, do you guys think? I, I guess on a theological level, we are captive to sin and born to, I guess, to just be fallen creatures um, and not live up to the perfections or what we were created to be. And on the other hand, the redeemed hum- humanity. Yeah, absolutely. And it depends on what you're trying to control, right? I'm trying mm. to con- I might be trying to control things that aren't doing me any good, but I'm still holding... That's the sense I got from the whole doorknob story right this is my doorknob i love this doorknob but it's cutting my hand and it doesn't open the door i'm controlling Mm. this thing but this thing is a bad thing i'm controlling things that i want that are probably not good for me Mm. i'm controlling how many cookies i eat i'm controlling how much i care about acquiring things i'm controlling how much i care about me but all of that is keeping me captive to sin it's keeping me holding on to things that aren't doing me any good 
you know, it made me think of, you know, mm. Paul always writing about how I do the things I know are bad for mm. me and I don't do the things that I know are good for me. And I'm captive to that, but I'm in control of those things. I can, I can choose to make myself sick eating Doritos or whatever. Yeah. You know, I could, I'm getting to do that. I have that freedom. I have that control of my life, but it's, it's not a good thing. You're cutting your hand and the door doesn't open. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is true in relationships too. Mm-hmm. Like I think of, I just moved and I'm living with new roommates. And, uh, and of course, when it comes to your space, like everyone has a degree of wanting to control certain things, where things go, how dishes are done or how certain processes go. Who drank my milk? Yeah, all those things. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what we really want and yearn for on a deeper level is to have good relationships in a healthy community with the people that we live with. And sometimes the desire to control every aspect of the, the space or another, uh, little things, things that are little when you really think about it can get in the way of having really good, um, life giving relationships with the people you live with. It's like driving. If you, if someone's trying to merge, your first instinct is to get ahead of them, Mm. but all the traffic will run smoother. If you slow up a second and let them get in. I mean, yeah, mm. it goes along with this. So idea, it goes along with this idea, kind of um, uh, that Pastor Danielle brought up in the sermon was that you know we try to be masters of or, of our own fiefdoms or um, of our own fates, and um, I guess try to control outcomes. Um, and and how this is kind of an, an, an illusion we kind of live in, or an illusion we we we, we sell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I guess what I'm trying to we're we're talking about. Kind of complaining and these dichotomies, but in this kind of trying to be masters of our own fate and others, we um, we don't we we kind of ruminate about things that have gone wrong, and we don't mm. think about you know we worry about the future and don't live in the present. And this is something that kind of um, resonated with me. Yeah, me too. There's um, what you said just reminded me of a lyric by a, a folk singer I really like. Um, Father John Misty and it goes something like it's from a song called uh, Bored in the USA (laughs) (laughs) and it's a pretty grim song overall but has I think a lot of truth in it and and one is talking about um, how he the speaker in the song um, is needs to uh, acquire a small nation of meaningless objects Hmm. they've got to represent me too and I think uh, that that line always really spoke to me that like there is this sense of like you have to acquire all these things around you and they also like the style or quality of those things then re- also represent who you are to other people. Oh, conspicuous consumption. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. just to appear. Absolutely. And um, and clearly, I mean, in, in the song, the person is very dissatisfied with that reality. and I And I agree that I don't think that that's that that's life-giving even though you can control i mean to some degree the things that you can purchase and the things that you can bring into your into your life and i think along with like the anxiety that you mentioned i think people and myself included spend a lot of time thinking about like what is that next acquisition going to be into into my fiefdom what can i what can i acquire or control next and it's yeah it's um I don't think it's the place we're called to be in this gospel or from this sermon. I mean, it's also the idea along with, uh, you know, 
this this rumination idea and wanting to control things as masters of our own fiefdoms. But there's the um, we're not. Pastor Daniel talked about not being grateful for what we've already have been given as kind of reminders of things that God has done in our life um, versus our complete inability to look at the present and see God at work. Maybe our ignorance of that. Yeah. And then like there's the whole idea of like the promises for the future, um, which are kind of made manifest in the present, you know, in the gospel and Christ, you know, things are... Um, come true they're already true they've been done in christ so they're not technically future they're already here but it's like our blindness to see that these promises are already coming into full fruition um which is an interesting tension at least for us as humans i guess is to see promises as something that um you know could be um reneged on or just taken away um but in I guess from God's perspective and, and Lutheran theology perspective, it's uh, these promises are certain, which is you don't think of promises being certain. Um, and that's something that I think is really cool. There's always the chance that another human won't do the thing that they promised. Yeah. It's yeah. hard to remember that God's not like that. It's also, I think, hard to remember that that the even in the past things, we hold on to those things that are that are not good for us. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to remember sometimes that we're forgiven for some of those things that we still hold on to. I think everybody beats themselves up about something, you know, mm-hmm. that you've done this thing, you know, that we haven't gotten over and haven't gotten past. So we hold on to the bad things, the things that we know are bad, that are obviously bad, as well as holding on to maybe possessions that aren't doing us any good, whether they're a doorknob or something else. Um, and I think that remembering that the promises for the future include forgiveness for the bad things in the past. Absolutely. It's really hard to do. I I remember, and I'm going to bring up some history here, background for you, the listener, um, a while ago, this was a, about a year ago, Dart came with me and some of our youth on a ski retreat uh, upstate. And I remember, Dart, we were talking about, I, f- I forget what the prompt was, but you said something that really, like I've remembered to this day, you were talking about how we all have something in the past that we beat ourselves up about. And I looked around and all these 14 and 15 year old high schoolers were like nodding their heads and they're like, yep. And like, these are people who are still like very young. And like, as an older person, I'm like, what, like you have way less mistakes to beat yourself up about. And yet that was something that they all resonated with. So I think it's like, it's, it's something we start doing at a very early point in our lives, I think. Um, maybe not, I don't know how much children do that. It's been a while, but definitely in that, adolescence, that, did, that yeah. comes on, I think that comes on hard, that like self kind of, yeah, really holding on to these things in the past where you've messed up and and beating yourself up about it and having that kind of wrap your, you know, kind of control where your conscious and where your focus and attention yeah. is, you know? as opposed to being attentive to the the promise and the blessing and the forgiveness coming in the present. And and from the gospel lesson, the, the interesting thing is that Jesus says the most important thing is to believe it, to believe in him who sent me, hmm. to believe that you will not be hungry, that you will not be thirsty. You can have that confidence and faith and it's, you know, we try, but we fall short of that when we hold on to the things in the past, when we don't have confidence in the future. Yeah. 
And there's yeah. also this idea, I guess, we're, we're talking about, you know, like, we hold on to the past. You know, we talked about uh, the Gospels today. The Gospel and the, um, the Hebrew Bible reading um, from the lectionary today is, you know, it's about the story of our tradition of, of Moses, of, uh, you know, this is what God did for us. This is the sign God gave us was this what is it, this manna from heaven. Um, and these people in the Gospel of John um, are coming up to him. You, you know, he's not... He, He's not where they expected him to be. He, so the people travel on boats to Capernaum. And they, Jesus answers them after they kind of inquire him, Very truly, I tell you, you were looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. So they had a sign present to them and the food they ate. I guess they're kind of looking maybe potentially for another sign, but they're just so blind to the, of God's presence, but they're so blinded in the present um, I guess by their own desires or expectations about what the present moment should be like, um, that yeah. they, they forget, you know, that Jesus is the sign and present in front of them. He like, yeah, is yeah. the bread. He is. He is like the. He is like the manna. Yeah. He is the. What is it? Like Jesus. Like, what is it? I don't know. But you know, yeah. <laughs> he's this. He is the sign that is already present. And this. This is very. Very much ties into our Eucharistic or communion practice in the Lutheran Church. God is already present in the bread and the wine. But you know, I'm not going to go on that whole spiel. But you know, in my. Um, I guess in my faith, my like if I, my faith life, I really like that idea. Is that if we're looking for signs, that sign is already here. It's, we just it's here. You just yeah. gotta pay attention to it, even though we may be blinded by our own weaknesses. And me in particular, I just kind of sit around and you know get lost in this whole uh, cycle of rumination, like Pastor Danielle was talking about at night time mm-hmm. when you were bad. I should have done this. I should have done that. Um, yeah. Or what's gonna happen with this? What's yeah. What's gonna happen that? in the future? For me, like. The, the the fact that there are the there are they already have this anxiety and they just ate you know their, yeah. their fill of bread and for me that what that translates for me today is when I worry about the future and then I feel like God is like but everything has worked out up for you every single day yeah. <laughs> for twenty eight years up till now like, quit complaining yeah like every, everything you've ever worried about has worked out and you are okay. And you've been able to get through those things. And like, now I like, I've, there are so many hardships in the world that other people at the, alongside, you know, the timeline of my life have had to endure that I haven't too. But I also think about so many other circumstances that life can bring for different people around the world. And like, and people have persevered through those. And I think, and I think God looks at us and says, you know, I you there has been provision there has been blessing I that's, got you that's kind of why we need the community in the in the epistle lesson today um Paul talks about how the gifts have been given to people to do different things there are evangelists there are pastors there are teachers there are prophets and we all need each other mm-hmm. to remind us to among other things to remind us that everything you just said is true yeah you do have God's grace with you at every moment and you always have whether you noticed it or not and you it's very hard to do that without a a community without a communion um, in which Mm -hmm. to live that out and to reinforce one another and to help each other remember all of that you know with everybody standing together being told your sins are forgiven all that bad stuff is okay it requires everybody in the room to hold on to that thought for just a second, you know, in order mm-hmm. to really think about 
going forward and believing in it going forward. And I think Lutherans have some trouble sometimes getting to the next step, getting to the response as our theology talks about it, that we know we're forgiven, we know that we have, we are saved by faith through grace, but what does that mean we're gonna to get to next? Where do we get to? And I think that sort of yeah. matches the idea about the complaining. How did, how did the, yeah, the so Israelites let's get into didn't that say second anything about that. Dichotomy. Well, where do we get to the second step? But I think it's the community that it helps us get through that, those moments of saying, I, I, don't, I can't hang on to the fact that grace has gotten me through thus far. Yeah. Communities too. So yeah, let's move on to that second dichotomy of complaining versus doing something about it. Because I, th- I think communities can also, while they can be like hubs for organizing and taking action, and that's great, they can also be very convenient outlets for everyone to complain about <laughs> some uh, some reality, even, even if it's justified, even if it is a, you know, like legitimate social injustices that are heartbreaking and wrong and terrible um it's very easy to you know gather around the fire and talk about how wrong and terrible they are those realities are and how wrong and terrible so-and-so person is and the metropolitan transit authority <laughs> yeah take right. note oh, <laughs> we were complaining about we the subways workers. earlier Love yes to gather, gather together <laughs> and Don't. complain about the mta <laughs> yeah. And the the subways. <laughs> yeah i live at the end of the one train yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i yeah. live on the a oh. so we're all represented we've got the and l, I live off the l. <laughs> shut down anyway less than a year so we digress so and it's and it's very easy yeah to um to complain in community um but it's not the same you know just as the israelites were out there in the desert just complaining to the point of and i think that complaining led to a questioning of is this even better than the slavery that we escaped i think while it can be pleasurable in the moment to complain it, I think it can lead people to a state of hopelessness mm-hmm. as a community that's no longer reflects the reality of what God is doing in the world and what God calls us, the movement that God calls us to be a part of. I don't, yeah, I think in the long run it ends up not being good for us as opposed to taking action together. Well, yeah. change is scary. You know, people have to be given some, I think people need to be, it, it, and the church, we're talking about change, we're talking about things that are going to go on here in the next few years what is advent mm-hmm. going to do to live out its mission and i think people need a little time not too much to sort of mourn what they have to let go of yeah and i'm sure pastor danielle had to say goodbye to that doorknob when her dad replaced it with one that wouldn't cut her hand and would actually open the door mm-hmm. you know, you've got to have a second but only a second you know or only a moment to say yeah that's gone and recognize it being gone and then move on to something else and i think people have a real hard doing that because of the amount of change that's required Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's not easy. We're talking about the complaining and kind of the movement towards faithfulness. This is kind of uh, a, a, it's a daily practice. I mean, we ask God, and when we do the Lord's Prayer, um, give us today our daily bread. Um, and I guess you could ask yourself, what does bread signify? Um, all things that, you know, make us flourish as human beings. But it's also an aspect of um, when we ask that petition um, to kind of tie in to what Pastor Daniel was saying was, um, to let go of kind of like this masters of our fate illusion, to let go of our complaining, to let go of our fear and worry, and then to kind of 
grasp this promise that I was talking about that is kind of already present. Um, Luther uses this image in his commentary on the Galatians. I can't remember if it's 1532 or later, but... Church history dork. Um, (laughs) But he uses this beautiful image of um, faith as being this thing where you grasp onto Christ who is living in the darkness of your heart, kind of like God abided in the temple and kind of a cloud of unknowing. And so Mm. it's in uh, um, in this kind of uncertainty about our present moment that we fully grasp the reality, um, I guess, whither God is calling us. Uh, so making us the full, into the fullness of who we are called to be um, and kind of to let go of those uh, that complaining and to see that, uh, as Pastor Daniel was saying, is God is both the gift and the giver. And what does that gift look like? And we may answer, I don't know, it's manna. What is it? <laughs> um, yeah. But I guess maybe that's part of the gift itself is to see that a lot, maybe the gift isn't readily apparent to us at all, at all times. It's only in hindsight. Sometimes feels less scary to just sit in the dark. Yes. You know, here I am in the shadow. Um, God might be here. I don't want to move out of this. Um, it's sort of warm yeah. and less scary than moving around. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And in the light, you, you, you know, you see everything as it is. Mm-hmm. That, that can be shocking, I think. You know, you're not, hit, you're not hidden from anything, you know. And the truth isn't hidden, and sometimes it's actually that's actually a tempting state to have to kind of hide from that, to not be the one taking action, to not being the one putting your own neck out and saying, "I stand up for this cause," and um, you know, to take it to the next level. Because we're really talking about the world as it is. Another one of my dichotomies: the world as it is versus the world as it ought to be, mm-hmm. right? And it's you know, people talk about be the change. People talk about have faith for the future. God has brought us safe thus far. But it's, it's a risk to try to be in the world you think the way you think it should be when everybody else, when, when the, the establishment around you is keeping it the way it is. Mm-hmm. You know, and you can think of a, whatever your politics, you can think of lots of things about the way the world is organized and the people that have power keep it organized versus the way you think things should be, but how difficult it is for people who are in a system to think, to do something that's counter to that system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Christianity is a countercultural thing, right? So it how, it, how do you act that out in a way that doesn't risk something? You know, the way people look at you, your paycheck, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of those risks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're called to do it, but we can't, minimize how scary it is for people myself included yeah yeah that was very vividly articulated yeah this is a very it's a very liberation theology thing kind of solidarities within communities and kind of the these unfortunate realities of structural sin that we we struggle with new york and in the in the country and around the world um but also the question of like how ultimately real realizable is or manifestable is um, the hope to which, you know, which, which is preached in the gospel um, from liberation from these structures of oppression, not only of our own personal sin, but kind of the things society um, and our cultures, uh, you know, bring to the table. And the cool thing about the sermon today 
was the idea that half of that stuff hurts us and doesn't work. Yep. Yeah. And we are we are given the gift from Jesus to be free of that. If we only could see it, if we can only see that the things that are keeping us from living in the world the way we think it should be are things half the time, I'm making that up, but maybe half the time or more, are things that don't work and hurt us. And that so, we're holding on to. And we're holding yes. on to yeah. If we just let go of that stuff, it would still be okay because God has brought you safe thus far and the world would be a better place and we would be doing what Jesus said we should do. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I want to say easier said than done. I don't think it has to be hard. I just think that like like you were saying about systems, I think it's so hard to see beyond it. Yes. And so we we tend to hit roadblocks and because we are shaped by the systems we live in. Mm-hmm. Which is why we need the community to help us figure things out. There's people yeah. in the larger believing world that are doing all the things we've talked about. You know, we've, you can find examples. You know, yeah, I, you know, the lives of the saints among us now mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that can give us a hint about about what we can let go of without fear of something bad happening. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So while, you know, I, I, I do agree that like change happen, any kind of large institutional, organizational, political, anything change happens so slowly, power systems are hard to change. But I guess the, the bright side of the, that picture is that comes back to that, you know, daily, that, that promise is there and daily we individually and as a community have the opportunity mm-hmm. to to let go and to claim the promise and the faith and, and the blessing that is, is right there with us every day. Yeah. It's just perspective, I guess. And hopefully I would hope a change in perspective helps to lead to community and action and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, this is kind of an addendum and we're traveling to something slightly different, but we, yeah. one thing we were thinking about is what does it mean to be spiritually fed versus, you know, I guess it make the dichotomy with physically fed. Like we're literally eating bread, like the Israelites in the wilderness. Yeah. Um, but you know, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And I was wondering what the, that kind of meant. I guess to yeah, you guys. Yeah, I, I could think of one immediate response. And this is in particular thinking about the the earlier idea we touched on about being masters of our own fiefdom and kind of materialism and acquisition. I don't know, that kind of mindset. For me, pretty much nothing like physical in the world is, is spiritually feeding me. Mm-hmm. Um, even though sometimes I may think that they might. So like things that physically feed me and may t- be delicious, you know, like I don't know, cake or something like that's not, that's not going to spiritually feed me. Not long term, even, even if in the moment it's just like, oh, it's such a great moment. It's not going to spiritually feed me. And like, um, the nice things that I have don't spiritually feed me. But then what does is, is my community here at Advent, my, my friends, my, like the people in my life taking moments, uh, a a break to 
be attentive to the the world around me and be attentive to God and um, the presence of God in my life. Like that spiritually feeds me. And I think um, taking time to to read the Bible spiritually feeds me. Like to kind of be recentered in this reality of God's presence and of and of our faith that that feeds me. That's my answer. Yeah. It's it's definitely people over things. Yeah. And when you draw the circle wide enough, you're hungering and thirsting for thirsting for righteousness. Yeah. You know, that's a for me a big piece of what what the gospel is talking about. You're yeah. you're hungering for everybody to be okay. You know. Mm. Yeah. My our, our son went on a on a trip to uh um a service trip to Ecuador once and came back and said, "Dad, I just wanted to be fair." You know, it brought tears wow. to my eyes. You know, like Wow. To see something like that and come, you know, as you know, this, this church does a lot of this, of similar kinds of things to come back from a moment like that and say, I, that's hungering and thirsting for righteousness. And it's about Amen. the people that he got to meet when he went there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's a powerful example. Hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Yeah. And that's like, I mean, I guess we're talking about hunger, but for me, yeah, when I think of that, for me, it feels just like a yearning, like that it, I do yearn, you know, like really yearn for that every day, like this, this equality and this sense of connection with other people that in, in the present, I can't seem to realize either because of the roadblocks and stereotypes and, and whatever and fears that exist within me and then also within society. But I guess in that case, being spiritually fed is a, a trust that that will reality will one day be true or that we have the power to do something about it. A lot of it's a direction, I think rather yeah. than, than a, 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 an arrival, right? Like are we moving in the direction of more, of caring for more people, you know, being fairer to people, or are we moving in the opposite direction? And if, if what you're doing is, I think if what we're doing is moving in the direction of more justice and more righteousness, then we can, we can see that we're acting out, we're doing the response. We're responding to the gospel in a way that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I, w- I mean, I would agree too, as we talk about thirsting for righteousness and, um, there's this idea that just kind of popped into my head. Um, it was kind of in my Advent devotionals last year, but it was, you know, we, we thirst for many things. Like in our lives, we, all of us want love, either in community, you know, with a, with a partner, significant other. Um, but the idea, of, like all, all, most of our actions as Christians should be motivated by love. Um, but the idea that I found interesting from my devotional practice was um, a statement that in the desires... I guess that are given to us by God, the desire for love, love is already present in that yearning. So it's not that distant of a reality. It's, you know, it's already there in, in, in germinating in a way. So within the hope itself, I guess I'm going back to this whole idea of, you know, the, 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 the end times hope, the eschatological hope of what Jesus promises us, the fullness of all things, is we're manifesting in the ways we can to the world. Um, but we do it, um, and we may not see it all there, but at least it's there in the seed. But that kind of just has been, been, that idea for months has been kind of on my mind. This, this idea of love is present in the yearning for love. 
and it kind of connects to the idea of you know wanting the thirst for righteousness is um, the reality of a righteous and just society is somehow present in that yearning even though it's not yet a reality i know that's all kind of mumbo it sounds kind of mumbo jumbo-y but it's i think that's the way god works in a way is that in our in our hopes and dreams they're somehow true already well it fits re- it fits really well with the idea that we're holding on to things yeah. that we shouldn't hold on to right we would see that more if we didn't hold on to all this other stuff we would see the love that's already there yeah if we weren't hanging on to our upsetness with the MTA <laughs> yeah you know like how do you you know how do you grit your teeth and 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 hold your fist tight and say God is love at the same time you know you have to let go and relax a little bit yeah the other stuff before to see the love that's really there absolutely and and see the progress that's been made yeah I just read yeah. uh, a book that I've been thinking about several times during this con- uh, conversation called uh, Factfulness, and it looks at, it talks about how, you know, looking at the problems in the world today, be it hunger or poverty or um, racism or, or social injustice of any kind, it, you know, they're, they're big. They're very much still many problems in all those areas, and it's easy to get discouraged and, and, and feel like we're either not going anywhere or we're not just get caught up that we're not far enough or that even it, that it's getting worse. And so this, this book looks at some macro scale, like mm-hmm. pro, p- items of progress that have been made and say, you know, the thesis is it's important to contextualize the struggle in the progress that's, that's already been made, even though there's a long way to go on a lot of these things. So like one example would be that like, while something like 10% of the world doesn't still doesn't have access to clean water or struggles with food insecurity, you go back 200 years ago and the about 85% of the world would classify as being in extreme poverty by today's standards. And now that's down to like between 15 and 10%. Mm-hmm. And that's like a huge difference, 85, 15 or 10. So like long-term in a lot of areas, there's huge amounts of progress. And even though we're, we're not near the end, it, for me, it helps to contextualize the problems that I'm passionate about by also being not lessening the problem anymore, but being grateful for progress that has been made. Yeah. And also for the, for the people that have made that possible. You know, there are so many of what are officially called saints and who I would call saints that have been advocates for that progress and made it possible, you know, whether they're innovators or social justice leaders or. It reminds you to stop complaining, I guess. If you think about how much progress has been made, like just stop for a minute, you know, complaining about things and think about the progress that's been made and how that is an example of what can happen going forward. Yeah. And to to me, that's God. It's the invitation to be part of the continuing movement and realizing that the movement is there, that God has been and is at work and you're invited into it. It's not like the the world was stagnant the moment you were born and you have to get the ball rolling from you know that's standing still like god has been at work and you're invited into it it's it has been is and will be you know yeah and i think remembering that makes makes it a little bit less scary and it feels more like an invitation into that freedom I guess it's, I mean, when we're talking about, you know, freedom and progress and all these ideas, it's, I guess, when I think about things, it's like, that that's saying that, uh, you know, 
progress isn't always a straight line. Like it's not always like the way yeah, you, you know, it's like not, you know, progress to go forth. It's, it's, there's sometimes regression, you know, and like maybe societal attitudes about something or, but eventually that whole, what the other line is the arc of justice, uh, the arc of the universe bends, moral arc of the universe bends towards justice. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, um, that, hopefully, certainly, I guess, <laughs> that is the case. I, I, I believe that. Yeah, and, me too. And, but there has been moments for me where I doubt because it feels like taking a step backwards and, or, yeah, or certain places in the world or certain contingencies, there will, there will be like a resurgence of what feels like taking a step backwards. Yes. But yeah, I think that's, that's where faith and hope comes in and that, that, yeah, that, that's just how progress works sometimes that it's not. We're, we're just, we're just like the people in the boat looking for Jesus. You know, yeah. We just fed 5,000 people with a basket full of food yesterday and we're like, well, are you going to give us a sign? And we've just heard that like 60% of the world has gone from abject poverty to not in about 100 years. And we're like, oh, but is it going to be okay? Is it going to get better? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, we're just like them. Yeah, very much so. We are. And that's why we have a lot to learn from these texts. Yeah. Mm, so They still speak to us. Yeah. We're still the people. Yeah. Imperfect. But complaining with, about the subway. Complaining about the subway. <laughs> but with a lot to learn and a lot we can do. Yes. I think this this conversation has covered that nicely and come a long way for me. Thank you guys. Right. <laughs> it Thank was, you. These conversations are are always uh, they're spiritually feeding for me. That was a kind of a forced time, but they <laughs> but they really are like these conversations feed me spiritually hopefully they do for you guys hopefully they do for you the listener um i think this is this feels like a good place to wrap it up do you guys have anything to add before we we part thank you for letting us do this yeah thank you for being here thank you for listening uh if you're listening and uh we'll be back next week with another sermon and another conversation thank you bye <laughs>